Welcome to Equipped, a podcast by Connection Church. Equipped is a conversation about multiplying gospel community and fueling spiritual growth. We have one clear goal, to equip leaders to multiply. We want to help people follow Jesus, make disciples, lead small groups, and plant churches. My name is Jordan Thigpen, and I'll be leading you through today's conversation. Let's get equipped. Everybody. Glad to be with you again for another week. Uh, this week I'm joined by James Balor, a pastor from the Philippines, and he is spending uh, the month of August with us here at Connection Church. Uh, me and him have been dialoguing and, and becoming friends now for about two years, and um, I wanted him to join us for today's equipped conversation um, because it is uh, really cool what it seems like the Lord is doing, really powerful, um, and both in the Philippines, but then also just kind of in our relationship and our connection together um, around the work of church planting. And so um, I wanted both for uh, our church and also uh, for His Touch Ministries to be able to hear more of a, an extended conversation about church planting, about your story, about um, what we're doing here at Connection, and just to kind of hear a uh, kind of honest reflection of week one here with us as you've you've spent about a week with us uh, in the States. And so um, just introduce yourself, uh, introduce your family, your church, and, and anything else you want to say hey to the people about. <laughs> so, hi guys, um, my name is James. I am a pastor at the Philippines, to be specific, it is Balanga City, Bataan. So you say that like Balanga City, Bataan. That's the Tagalog way of saying it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, man, family. Uh, so I just, first I got to say hi to my wife. Hi, Jonah. Of course you're listening. And to the Church of His Touch Ministries, to Orani, Pilar, Balanga, and... You're good. Marivelas. Marivelas. Just wanted to greet you guys. So, yeah, we are started off with being hired by a church that wanted a new guy, a new pastor. They didn't have a pastor. And uh, my vision then was gospel-centered ministry. We wanted to really be planted in the gospel. So we shared. I shared the vision. They wanted to. And I asked, like, I asked. The, the beginning was... I asked the the hiring team or like the the leaders during that time, like if you can't, because I'm, you know, we're, we're almost the same age. But uh, I I told them that if you are going to let me lead, you would have to kind of submit mm. to. I'm not gonna be in charge of everything. Not gonna be, but I really need you to. If you want me to be your pastor, then you have to be. You gotta buy in. Yeah, you gotta buy in. You, you, gotta, you gotta you gotta tell me you gotta be there. So Right. Like you weren't you weren't willing to be hired to run their play. Yeah. Um they yeah. You, they, they needed to buy into your leadership, your vision, your direction. Exactly. And <clears throat> just knowing you a little bit, that's a lot of that is because of the nature of most of the churches in the Philippines, right? True. Tell us a little bit about the context and sort of the the Christian 
you know, air quotes, uh, nature of the Philippines and um, maybe some of the context of, of where you are and what you see and, and what led you to want to focus on being gospel-centered? Oh, yeah. So there is a lot of, I would say, a lot of Christianity that's based on prosperity and growth. I would say they would just, they want to grow. They want to build platforms, but not really, I would say not really centered on the Bible, on Jesus, on loving Jesus, on, and uh, it's, it was, it was, it turned me off as I studied the word. Like I've, I've seen the church go so far away from the word that, I mean, you know, we're not perfect and all, but you know that a church has, has veered off the word of God. You know, you see it, you feel it. And when you study the word of God, it's it's reflective of, okay, we're, we're not there. Mm-hmm. And uh, just studying the word, reading the Bible, reading theology, you know, okay, we need to get back to that. Mm-hmm. So I'm really glad that, that that's the context. The mm-hmm. context is a lot of Filipino churches, um, they really are in love with the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying we shouldn't love the Holy Spirit, but the purpose of that is to promote disciples or not promote, but rather multiply disciples, send out people for the mission. Mm. And uh, we're just not seeing that, uh, that clear mission, clear gospel teaching. And I just wanted to be there. I wanted to teach that. I wanted to be yeah. there. Yeah. It's a lot of repurposing of the Holy Spirit for, for man's desires, right? Personal like, experience. Yeah. Yeah. Follow. Personal experience, some type of, um, ecstatic experience, right? Like That's true. I think in I think it's true in the states, uh, and I and I, I hear it resonate, but differently for sure. Like it sounds like in the Philippines, from what you've described, is there can be a lot of felt need, a lot of poverty, a lot of of difficulty, a lot of um, corruption, more overt corruption at times, um, and a lot of difficulty yeah. in um, that people experience that manifests itself in felt needs that. And when you are constantly thinking about where's my next meal or what, you know, how do I provide for my family? Like you just want some type of ecstatic experience in order to feel like I'm actually living. And I think for Americans, they can get so entertained and that they can't, something has to top the current level of entertainment that I'm experiencing in order for it to be meaningful. Wow. And so there's this infatuation with sometimes like, you know, the, the, there's not been a lot of redemption of the mundane or the boring. Um, And that's probably not even a good, it's probably just a a redemption of the normal, right? (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, And so you, you were hired at His Touch Ministries. Yes. um, And uh, how would you say His Touch Ministries in, in, uh, Tagalog. Uh, well, his Dutch ministries is we don't say it in Tagalog because it's weird. Oh, you say it in English. Okay, you, I didn't you gotta, know. Yeah, okay, I see. Yeah. I didn't know when you're preaching in Tagalog. If it, so, you just switch back to English and then you keep like if you're preaching in, in Tagalog. Yeah, we call we call that language Taglish. Taglish, nice. It is, dude. Nice. Okay, <laughs> that's funny. Um, okay, so. Uh, for our people listening, James will preach live in Tagalog and go back and forth between Tagalog, which is the Filipino language, and English. And um, he has had a lot of success in, in preaching and making disciples in the Philippines 
to to where when he was hired um, in that was 2019. Yeah, man. 2019, 2019. same year that I came to Connection. Wow. Uh, and um, <laughs> and so you 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 moved there. The world shuts down 2020. Yeah. Um, what? How big was his Touch Ministries when you first got there in 2019? Well, when I when I first I started off preaching there, just being a guest preacher. Right. They were around 20, 30, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't there because the Holy Spirit led me there. Now I know the Holy Spirit led me there. Because I was there because they were offering a, an honorarium. Right. <laughs> they were, I mean, just That's being super honest. honest. <laughs> so you were a student pastor at the time, yes, right? Yes, sir. And, yeah. um, and you were going to guest preach, and you, you yeah. had seen some fruit in your preaching. Yeah. And so they were inviting you, hey, come and preach for us. Yes, sir. And then they eventually extended a hire. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Eventually they extended so I never saw myself being that the pastor of that church because that's the very church that I don't want to pastor. I wanted to plant a church. And uh, yeah, that was not a wise thing to do. Yeah. But uh, being being there when he, they extended the hire and I got, a, I got to preach there, I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with the people. And then when 2019 came, that 30... I don't know, man. That first year, I think we reached about 100 plus mm. a first year. And that's big in the Philippines. Yeah. That is big. So I think everywhere you go, that's a big jump. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. So after that, after that attendance jump, it was, I would say until today, the best year of ministry for His Touch Ministries was 2019. Until mm. today. Mm. Well, it was, well, you know, you're the fresh new guy mm-hmm. there. We knew, we had a new location. We had people committing to the Lord. All of that. It was super encouraging. And if you're listening, I don't. I, I didn't know Jordan yet that time. <laughs> so that time, man. Like in other was, words, it's completely your credit. It's, Jordan had nothing to do with it. It's, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, but it was. But truly, it was the Lord's doing. Yeah. And, and when 2020 hit, I just got newly married. Yeah. January. Job. Yeah, January. Mm-hmm. And then the world shut down in March. Right. So you you have a new new family, a new church. And it was just, it was done. It was, I, I did not, it was not okay, man. I was, no. And was, so in like February or March, is it must have been closer to March or April. That's when the world shuts down. Yeah. And you reached out to me and, yeah. or you reached out to someone at Connection yeah. and Sydney pointed you to me yeah. and we had scheduled a call and we were going to get on the Zoom call <laughs> and then I got COVID. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like barely able to read my phone. I can't move. I've got the Delta variant and yeah. you're like, hey man. Are you getting on this call or what? <laughs> and so we, anyway, we eventually connect. But I mean, I just think, I, I just remember talking, and maybe you didn't really open up about this until later. Yeah. But you were on the verge of wanting to quit, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so you were, or, or, and I think this is true for every pastor. We were asking ourselves, what is the future of the church? Like, yeah. are we going to be 
you know, now it sounds crazy, but yeah. at the time, like, are we, how long are we going to be locked in here? Like, yeah. how long is, is this, is this just the way things are now? Or am I willing to just keep preaching into a camera for people, you know, wherever they are? <laughs> so, um, and so, you know, we started working together, our church, I think we were starting to meet back in person, maybe in May, yeah. I know for sure, June. Yeah. And we started meeting in person and, it wasn't until what you know, like how 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 long was it before the Philippines lifted meeting restrictions? I think we started. I don't remember really, but uh, it was early. I think. I think, and, and and if I'm wrong, you know, anybody listening, if I'm wrong, then. <laughs> but uh, it's 2021. I think early 2021. That was what my to- gut said too. I, I remember it being a lot because I came, I was going to come and fly and visit in yeah. like maybe the spring of 2021. And there still was a ton of vaccine requirements, mask yeah. requirements, yeah. Uh, quarantine requirements. And it just wasn't possible, which is what led to, well, what if we brought you here? Yeah. And now in August of 2023, we got you here. Yeah. Um, and so, Man, it feels like that feels like so that didn't even feel like it was that long ago. You true, know? true. Um, yeah. But so anyway, you're here. You know? Yeah. And so James, <laughs> James has. So the way I would sort of in my remembrance of all of this, uh, his. So James kind of got back on his feet. Uh, his touch ministries got back on its feet to the yeah. point to where. Now, his such ministries today in the in Balanga City is yeah. how big? Right now, uh, Balanga City in total, I think we have well, those who are committed to us, heart and soul, and the attendance is different. I don't know if you count it the same. Oh no! Anybody breathing, we count them. <laughs> yeah, if if that's the count, then we are at two hundred. Yeah, I think we are yeah. at two hundred. We have two services. Yep. And uh, we have different church plants. We have two house churches, yep. which is Pilar and Orani. Then we also have a church in Mariveles. Right. And <clears throat> that's just, there's a lot of marginalized, poor people. There are a lot of uh, professionals that work and support, but it really is a challenge. But at the same time, we celebrate what the Lord has done. And to add to that, like, <clears throat> it's 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 a good thing. I think it's a good thing that COVID happened. One of the good things that 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 we see or we saw when COVID happened is re- God really is in charge of His church. Mm. Like when you can't meet and you can't minister and you can't counsel, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit can. Right. So seeing the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of God, even if you'd. Ha- you can do as much as you can. It's just he was in charge. He is strong. He is powerful. He mm-hmm. is like God was there. Yeah. And and even if we weren't, you know. Yeah. Uh, Brandon always talks about it like it was a it was a threshing. It was a threshing of the wheat, right? There was mm-hmm. a lot of chaff that blew away in the life of the church of people yeah. that um were a net sort of energy and ministry drain because they were coming but not participating. Yeah. And it brought people afterward. I would say we had almost over 80% turnover of, mm. so like if we were, 
a thousand people before yeah. COVID and then after COVID, we were we've gotten back up to a thousand, but I I mean a lot of like eight hundred plus are new. Yeah. And I look at that number because of where heart and soul or our membership got down to mm-hmm. and where it's now building back up to. Mm-hmm. Um, but the turnover was substantial. And when yeah. I when I talk to people like how many people do you think are heart and soul? They say numbers like eight hundred, nine hundred, a thousand, and not even it's nowhere close. It's like three hundred and sixty-five people, <laughs> and those are and and out of those, fifty percent of those are have been heart and soul for less than two years. Mm-hmm. So that's that's even within heart and soul, those are all people post COVID. Fifty percent. Yeah. So <clears throat> all that to say, like. The life of the church is extremely different. It is, um, it and is. so, but for you, it sounded as I as if I were if I were reading this on like a if I was reading this as like a like a briefing like I if if I was at like a a church you know if I was the president of churches or whatever and I was reading <laughs> this as like a story somebody told me the story of his touch ministries yeah go ahead and, Bishop <laughs> no 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 no. <laughs> Uh, I need a I need a pointier hat, don't I? <laughs> the uh, but the the what I would see, what I would think about is, wow, James was hired on at this church. He made it a gospel centered thing. God sifted. That was the word I was looking for. Sifted yeah. the life of the church. And yeah. uh, now on the other side of that, it is becoming more and more a multiplying force. Mm-hmm. You're planting churches. You're yeah. starting house churches. Um, and I remember one of the things that really got me and James connected was his desire to glorify Jesus and to plant churches. Yeah. And one of the things that really uh, stuck with me was James said, I want to I want to be a part of a gospel movement, but I don't want it to be about me. Yeah. And that is such a big deal in the life of Connection Network, and that's such a big deal in the life of our of our church that we really desire that, not wanting to build this church on the life of a personality. Um, that that's that's a big reason we've we've put a lot of resources and energy into trying to get him here to spend time together. And we talked about this on the drive um, from Atlanta when I picked him up, which you know. I'm sure you don't remember because you just <laughs> finished a 20 hour flight. Yeah. Um, but jet lag was horrible, man. <laughs> but yeah. But this is as much about what we can learn from James as much as it is of, of anything that he's going to come here and learn. Like when I think about it, like we're the same age yeah. from, you know, total opposite sides of the world. Yep. Working in two different ministry roles. Um, and so, I mean, realistically, like, what do I have that I can teach James other than I think that, um, I can encourage him to get rest, to be, to try to pour in and be an encouragement. But I really feel like this is about something that the Lord is doing in Southeast Asia for the sake of the gospel. Um, and God is allowing us to play a small part in that. But not, what, a, not a small part. Trust <laughs> well, me. you know, I, we'll, we'll get to play our part. Yeah, you know? that's and, that's it. That's yeah, it. and but I think the majority of it is going to be accomplished through your leadership. And praise God. As far as like the nature of our, like, it's not going to be Jordan Brandon or somebody getting on a plane coming to the Philippines and preaching a crusade. 
Mm. It's going to be through a partnership centered on the gospel and centered on church planting and you leading people into that vision. That's what gets me excited about all of this. And that's what makes the time and, and energy worth it. Yeah, and that's that. What what brings me fear sometimes? It's because, you know, we 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 need to use the language that you will lead this mm. because that that is clear language. But the the danger with that is you will lead this. Right. <laughs> that's the danger. Like, like uh, I we we're talking about not centered on me because I started ministry with that mindset. Mm. Uh, the youth ministry we had, uh, we had a crusade in the in in Balan City. And way back 2013, I was 23 years old, and almost close to a thousand young people show, showed up. Wow, that is that is a not a, that is not normal mm-hmm. in our setting. And I was not ready for that. Mm-hmm. I was not. My heart wasn't ready. I shouldn't have spoke. Mm. I should have sat down and listened. Mm. I was the the preacher for that time. Um, my personal testimony, my life was not ready. Mm. My preaching, my, my knowledge of the Bible, knowledge of scriptures was not not ready. There was a charismatic figure. Mm. Uh, you know this. There's a drive in me, mm-hmm. and that that made me push that attendance. Mm-hmm. But it was for me. It was a gigantic failure because I did not represent Jesus well. I wasn't, it wasn't about the gospel. It was about me. And I did not, I did not see that after years. And I've, I have cried over those things. Mm-hmm. I have repented. I I, I pray that I have, mm-hmm. but it is scary to listen to, okay, there's a gospel centered movement in church in, in Southeast Asia and James is going to lead it. Mm. And, and there's reality in that. I, you know, I don't want to be like blind to it. Like mm-hmm. I have to be accountable to to what the Lord has called me to. And I think that was yeah. what was powerful. Is what you reached out to us for was, hey, <clears throat> yes, we need funding. Yes, we need lots of stuff. But the primary thing that I sense I need is accountability. I'll never forget when you asked for that. Of like, I need somebody holding me accountable for my leadership. And I think that. Um, I think that it's there's no fear in you or me or, or you know a person leading. You can have less fear of the I or the you yeah. when those things are more deeply connected to the Holy Spirit, yeah. right? Um, and and when we're leading out of the overflow of our closeness to Jesus, yeah. you know. And so one of the things that we've structured James's time around here is the same leadership and discipleship process that we take every leader through um, of we start with the 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 man yeah. then we move to um, multiplication our, something like yeah that. yeah something like that yeah we start with with leading yourself then leading someone else then thinking about multiplication and then leading the organization and so um, this whole first week, he spent time reading on prayer, reading on scripture, yeah. um, reading on emotionally healthy discipleship by Pete Scazzaro. Yeah. So, and a lot of that was boundaries, rest, uh, limitations, yeah. uh, coming to grips with some of those things. And so, we haven't even gotten into 
you know, like we didn't bring him here and, hey, here's this book on preaching. Hey, here's this book on organizational leadership. Yeah. Like, we'll get to some of those things. But um, the thing for, for him was leading out of the overflow of a deep relationship with Jesus. And I think with this, this new school year and this new sort of um, getting into August— like I'm, I'm trying to reset those things. I'm yeah. trying to set my alarm and and do the to make sure I'm creating the space to lead myself and not just do and do and do and do. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I want to talk a little bit about about. Um, so I, I said something earlier that I wanted to to bring some of the the listeners in on. I said that. James is becoming a discipleship force. And by James, I mean his touch ministries and the people under his pastorate that <clears throat> that they're becoming a multiplying force in Southeast Asia. Tell us some of the things that you're seeing, some of the fruit that God's bringing about that makes us feel confident about that. Yeah, thank you for, for that beautiful setup, man. <laughs> uh, there is this desire for us to plant churches in the Philippines. So... Right now, uh, there are regions around Bataan, which is called Pampanga and Zambales, and they are big mega groups of of towns that have millions of people on them, mm-hmm. both of them. And there is a desire to plant churches there. And um, I told Jordan this that we didn't really see ourselves going out of the Philippines mm. simply because the mission there was already great. Like, yeah, it would spend. 50, 60 years just reaching uh, people there. But there was a, this moment, and Aldrin, if you're listening, because I'll know you'll listen to this, uh, Aldrin Ocampo, he is a he is a Pampanga native, and he came to Bataan to study because we have a good university in Bataan. And he became a disciple there, heard the gospel, believed the gospel, been reading, been studying, and he wants to plant a church, like like um, he wants to plant a gospel-centered church in Pampanga. He started with that, but a door opened up for him to work as an engineer in Singapore. So when the door opened up, and uh, he said, you know, I'll, I'll just save money, and then I'll come back. I'll come back, and I will plant a church in Pampanga, because that's his desire. Oh. And going to Singapore, he noticed that there were no churches that were focused on planning churches, focused on exalting the gospel of Christ. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of churches there. And he said, Pastor, there's none. And I just told him, like, you could plant a church there. So we're praying. Mm-hmm. It, it was not part of what we saw. but we Part just, of what you said the other day, too, is that he was, he like took it as this is my opportunity. This is an opportunity. Yeah, yeah. this is an opportunity. Like, we were, we were speaking and... Rather than be discouraged, it could be that this is what the Lord is mm. is uh, doing. So, as I, as I, as we are praying for that, um, there could be, and I, there's Raymer and Raymer. If you're listening to this, we've been talking, and uh, he was telling me that he's gonna, he needs to go, or he wants to go to uh, away or international waters to 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 work as, also as an engineer, mm-hmm. and. They're they're planning him, Raymer and Nika, their their husband and wife. They're planning and praying to go to Australia. Whoa! <laughs> so this is this is all happening. Love that. And 
Wow. I just encouraging them to, why not plant a church there? Yeah. So the there, church. There's a couple in Thailand too, right? No, no, no. Uh, that's Jeffrey. That's Jefferson Ignacio. Yeah. And um, he was planning to be a teacher in Thailand, but I think he's going to go to Singapore with Aldrin. Oh, cool. Okay. I think that's gonna, what's going to happen. So, yeah, just seeing those opportunities. And Ashley is in Dubai. Mm -hmm. Ashley is part of our church. And Teresa is going to follow her. Mm -hmm. And that's something they're thinking about as well. Mm -hmm. So, we're talking about gospel-centered, yeah. disciple-making <clears throat> churches that love Jesus and that's that's what excites me. Mm. How have you seen that yeah. openness to planting and sending? How's yeah. that how's that brought fruit to Belonga City? Well, it's it's brought fruit simply because I, I would I would think so that church planning is something that they don't think about simply because there's a lot of churches at every corner. And that's the same in Statesboro. Oh yeah. I've been here and there's a lot of churches, but yeah, seeing a lot of churches is not something you think about, mm -hmm. but when you, the, the, the thing is that we, we try to explain that not because you're called a church, you are one, mm -hmm. not because you, you're called a Jesus, not just because you have Jesus in, in your banner means you are a Jesus Christ follower. Mm -hmm. So we want to, we want to define what a disciple is of Christ because, because I, I, I want to say this, this is the language I want to use further. I want to, I actually want to teach on this next month when I get home. <laughs> I want to teach on the clarity of being a disciple, a Christian disciple, mm -hmm. because we could be a disciple of anything, anyone. We could Ooh. follow te teachings of anything, anyone. <laughs> yeah. So, if it's a disciple being just a student. Yeah. And you can be a student of, of a, anything. a lot of things. Uh, yeah. You can be a student of drums. You can be mm -hmm. a disciple of a drummer, mm -hmm. disciple of a guitar. You can come to church and just desire to be a musician. And you can be. Mm. You can be. But you're a drummer, not a Christian. Mm. You are, right? So I want to make that language clear of what is a disciple. Mm. And um, a disciple of Jesus is uh, you have yes. to actually be following. Yes, you have yes. to be studenting under yes, Jesus. Yes, yes. You you believe in the tenets <clears throat> of Christianity and you believe in Christ and all of that. Mm -hmm. So that's just I wanna I wanna look at that because there is an idea, and I believe in the States, in states where it's the same. Like oh, when yeah. people go to church, they think they're Christians. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's the requirement. Mm -hmm. And they could live a different life. From Monday to Saturday, mm -hmm. unrepentant, following their own flesh, and then they wear a mask on Monday, <laughs> take off that mask, put church mask on, right. come to church, lift their hands up, say amen, clap, maybe even cry mm. with you know Chase doing the guitar thing, shout oh, out yeah. Chase, mm -hmm. <laughs> and doing the guitar thing, singing, and then people just, after the service, take off their mask, put on their Monday mask again. And live like that until until they die. They'll until, even do a hit and run the parking lot right after. 
<laughs> the parking lot is so big here if you're in the Philippines. The parking lot is so big here that there's a lot of hit and runs that happens. <laughs> so yeah, uh, dude, if you're listening, if you if you're the one that made a hit and run, you should repent. Man. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was for uh, if for the listener, there was somebody that hit a car in our parking lot and just drove off and didn't uh, leave yeah. an insurance card, didn't say, "Hey, yeah. I'm sorry," nothing, just yeah. hit and run. In church. So, yeah, right after a church <laughs> service. So if that doesn't tell you somebody's heart needs to change with, with the preaching of the gospel, then I don't know what will. <laughs> so, but so but sorry, go back going back to what uh, you're saying. Yeah, so that that's it, man. Like I would just say that I think just being clear with what a disciple is, being clear what Jesus wants us to do, there are people that want to obey. Mm. I would say too that like you've invited me in to to just have a Zoom call just to give some encouragement to some of your leaders and there'll be 12 people on the Zoom call, you yeah. know, and they're from um they're all over the place of of <laughs> life stage and and age and um men and women leading yeah. and um I would say it seems like you have you've tried to keep a a deep bench of leaders where mm. you've got people just around and that's got to be affecting the overall life of the church. Like when, how has that been for you? Is that something that was there before and you inherited or what's that been like for you? There's a, there's a saying in the Philippines, uh, it's called Kabataan ang pag-asa ng bayan. And that means that is from our national hero, Jose Rizal. And it means the youth is the hope of the world. Mm. And, and no, the youth is not a hope of the world. Mm. Jesus is. Mm. So there is an embrace of youth culture that when you're young, oh, you need a platform, you need this, you need that. And like in the Philippines, I don't know how it is here, but in the Philippines, like <laughs> the older people need to get benched mm. and the new guys, the new the kids need mm. to go to ministry. You're yeah. young, go to ministry. There's a lot of strength. And when you go to the Bible and you look at, young men that's generally not a positive thing right that's generally, the scripture seem to paint a picture of like hey you need to be slow to teach here yeah you, know, you need to do this this carries a lot of you need to yeah you need to be developed by yes. an older yes. person amen amen so not a lot of good things to be said about the youth mm. but uh but that's the thing so well what we do in his such ministries, what what I do as the pastor, is we 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 paint a broad stroke, we paint a broad picture of of what it means to be gospel centered. But it's it's not about the life the the age of life or or life stage, as much as it is about the gospel. Mm -hmm. So whether you are an older person, younger person, you need to repent of sin because mm -hmm. you'll still sin. Mm -hmm. You need to follow Jesus. You need to forgive. You need to, because mm -hmm. whatever life stage you are, I don't really much care. Mm -hmm. You will be offended mm -hmm. and you need to repent of that. Right. So, and, and, and just being open to the people, uh, because in the Philippines, uh, there is still, you know, the divide of ages and stuff like that, but having a lot of willing leaders and empowering the people that you can lead, mm -hmm. this is not a youth thing. Right. This is not an older people thing. Right. Like everyone can lead. And I think for me personally, I love seeing that in the worship team. Mm. I love seeing that in worship team because that's the only time that you have multiple people on stage and it's okay. Right, right, right. <laughs> so right. 
we have a drummer that's already a dad, singers that are just kids, like real 12-year-old. Mm-hmm. And there's a 20-year-old sometimes. And you have a keyboard player that's a mom. Right. You know, so so having all of those people mm. uh, in on stage, I think I think practically that helps. Mm-hmm. Plus me preaching, but not just me. Mm-hmm. Older men will preach. Mm-hmm. That what what happens is the the thought of whatever life uh, stage you are, you can serve because we can see it. Mm-hmm. That's a practical yeah. part of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's really good. Um, I, I mean, I think too, like. I, and I've seen that on the calls too that you've had. Um, you've got folks that are coming around that are older than you. You've got folks that are coming around that are younger than you. And I and I think the states is similar. The states gives they accredit inherent value to being younger. Um, that and sometimes sometimes it's it's the it seems like the older crowd begins to recede and just kind of step out of the way. Um, and then sometimes I, so sometimes I, I find that it's a, it's, there's a, there's a collision of like a, there's a conflict of, it's really personality. It's really not about age. It's just a personality thing. Uh, Cause you can have the same conflict over personality and be the same age. But what I find is that, Young people are looking for older people to invest in them. Mm. Older people are saying there are no young people interested in being invested in. Mm. And those two like fly right past one another. That is so true, man. I agree with that. I agree. With that. I, I, I would also say that, and I would say this to the younger, uh, the, the older people, that they think they need to to jive or to to be in the current state of the young people. But the young people just value honesty, mm-hmm. genuinity. Mm-hmm. Like you don't need to be anybody else. Mm-hmm. And today, like the culture has encouraged us to show a facade of who we are, not who we really are. Mm-hmm. It is encouraging us to do that. It's pushing us to do that. And genuinity is lost mm-hmm. in it. Like, there is a shame tied with the word, I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's a shame tied with the word, uh, I can't do it. Yeah. So there is a push for us to know it all and do it all. And, and yeah. I think there's some aspect for for young people that doesn't feel like a, a reasonable answer too. You know, like yeah. there's, you're, you know, there's a searching, there's a, a hope for, all of this is going to make sense. And I think the older I get and when I interact with people that are older, there is some aspect of like, you know, I, I don't know. And and I think sometimes that fuels a sense of inadequacy for older disciples to say, I mean, what do I really have to offer somebody mm. younger? Unfortunately, mm. yeah. instead of being able to offer authenticity and transparency and really kind of a a Christ-centered confidence that I'm not going to have all the answers in this life, yeah. but I know the one who provides them Amen. and I can live in that mystery. That is valuable to young disciples that young, young followers of Jesus. You know, there's my, my mentor used to always say, you're never more optimistic than you are right now. Mm. 
Oh, that's so good. Because no matter what, the older you get, your your yeah. optimism tank is going to get lower and yeah. lower and lower and lower. The more you see of life, the more disappointment yeah. you experience. Yeah. That's why, like, if you, I mean, if you, when you see an an older saint and they are joyful, they stand out like, like a solo star in the night sky, <laughs> you know? Amen. Like, it's just unbelievable because like yeah. you, you've, you've lived through and seen so much yeah. and you're still joyful and optimistic Amen. and they're like a treasure, you know? True. Um, Such an encouragement to see older men. Mm-hmm. Still follow Jesus, love their wife, love their kids, yeah, and and have grandkids and follow mm-hmm. Jesus. They, they carry a Bible inside the church, and they listen to sermons and they they love Jesus. They sing, they give, yeah, yeah. That, and an older an older man that mm, can true. still offer encouragement to yeah. a younger pastor, yeah, that that would fill your tank up. Yes, like Jude was that for me. And Jude was that from all of our staff. Yeah, of, yeah. He was he was in his sixties and smiled and laughed and encouraged and prayed. Yeah, and I felt that. I fe- I felt the staff hurting. Yeah, felt that. So, yeah. So I don't. You know, that's that's something that. So I guess we got kind of got there by James having sort of a a deeper bench of leaders across all these different ages and what is a core principle for me is that all you need to plant a church is a ready leader. Yes. Money, resources, equipment, ability, all of that can either be found or be taught. Mm. But the what leadership is what's caught. Yeah. That's having younger leaders just in proximity to you and you investing in them, all those other things can, can be found. Yeah. Um, and so... I, I feel like that's something that has been a blessing to his touch ministries and it's and it's been a blessing here at Connection as well of having uh when I say young leaders, I don't mean young in age, I just mean young in the journey. Mm. And um that's been a huge a, a huge part of the last three or four years for me. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah and to add to that what uh, with what Jordan is saying, like it is an encouragement to see young leaders, to see different generations, but to also see to see people that did not have a church background, did not have idea of what church is, and they are serving so deeply, they're involved so deeply that they fell in love with Jesus. To see that journey from not having a relationship with Christ and to see them so involved, so in love with Jesus— that's one of the most encouraging things mm-hmm. if you are in ministry. Like I I I celebrate that. And uh and also in the Philippines, we have the the problem here almost, I, I think in the States, or what I've noticed is there's just a lot of nuns. Mm-hmm. N-O-N-E. There's mm-hmm. like they don't they just don't care. They're not atheistic, really. They're not agnostic. They're not they're none. They're nothing. Mm -hmm. They just want to go about their day. They don't really care. Religion is not something they really care about or touch. Mm -hmm. They don't reject it, but they don't accept it. It's just not. And there's just a lot of people that really just don't care about religion anymore. Jesus anymore. Maybe for what it is. But uh, in the Philippines, it's polytheism. Mm -hmm. So if if it's atheism or agnosticism in the states is poly- there's a lot of Jesus in the Philippines mm-hmm. but different versions of him mm-hmm. 
Like, if you believe that Jesus is from God, big deal. Muslims believe that too, mm-hmm. right? So that's not. A, you have to be clear with the Jesus that you're following. Mm. You have to be clear with the Jesus that you love. Mm-hmm. So that's what that's what is anchoring me to really plant churches in Southeast Asia. One of the just to get the gospel as clear as possible to people that love and would be saved by Jesus. So mm. that's I think that's it for me. That's a drive for me. So. The nun's point is such a great point. I mean, I, I started teaching Bible at BA Bullock Academy, and I've got a bunch of high school kids that we started yesterday, and it just broke my heart to to hear the way they talked about it. Um, they are used to the loudest argument being that all religion is stupid, <laughs> that the Bible is antiquated, that, I, I mean, but some of it is like, some of it's a mix of of personal experience, things they've overheard, like they're, they're, they're 13. They haven't had a, a you know, a, the, some long drawn out battle about the nature of the universe, <laughs> you know, they, they are, but they, one girl said something, she said, I just don't, I just don't know what to think about this whole God thing because it's crazy how he just doesn't come through for some people. Mm. And another girl was, I mean, mm. making a, a very philosophical argument about why homosexuality should be approved universally. Um, and okay. just the fact that Christianity can't be a valid perspective on who God is and what he's like. And, and we're talking about a ninth grader, right? Of, <laughs> of why it's insane that, wow. that Christianity would feel that way. And then wow. to see it, and then to it, to ping pong to another kid for that other, for another kid to say, it's really only those patriotic people. That's the word she used. Patriotic people that make those type of, of, um, and what what she what she referred to as a homophobic argument. Wow. Um, yeah. And so the thing is, is that that is an opinion they've heard, not a conviction that they've come to. Mm. And it's real easy at 13 already for them to have come to a position that is only an opinion that they've heard, Mm. not a Mm. conviction that they've arrived at. And that's, and you just have to ask, like, where are they hearing? Who is shaping their worldview? And this has always been my pushback. Anytime you, you know, Anytime somebody starts saying, well, we can't do theology with the young kids, but, you know, they're too young. Okay. Well, what about with student ministry? Well, we can't do that because they're not going to be interested. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. What about with college kids? Uh, you know, they're too busy. They're, yeah. you know, they need to focus on their studies. <laughs> okay. Well, what about adults? Well, now they've got careers and kids. All right. So when are we going to do it? <laughs> when are we going to, when are we going to talk about what Christians actually believe? Because what we're saying <clears throat> is I would rather not actually know who Jesus is and what he's like. Yeah. I would yeah. rather just live my life saying, Hey God, thanks for the salvation. See you in a couple years, <laughs> you know? And yeah. oh man, I so agree with that. And we're not actually disciples. Yeah, we're yeah. not actually following mm. 
mm-hmm. a crucified mm-hmm. Savior. Mm-hmm. Amen. So, um, mm. I, let me ask a question to kind of get us off of my soapbox. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. What um, when you think about when you think about um, church planting and you think about ministry in the Philippines? Um, what do you want to see God do in the next five to ten years? I was actually writing it down. <laughs> but by the way, Jordan surprised me with this podcast. You have to know that. <laughs> I was I was doing what he asked me to do, and then you just I surprise myself with them every week. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, so we're gonna feed him balut if he ever comes to the Philippines. Uh, <laughs> so what do we want to happen in the next five to ten years? Um, here's what I would I would say is that we want to be more encouraged. We want the, the first thing is we want to be clear on how the Lord has allowed us to to see ready leaders. Because mm. right now the process of having red leaders is not that clear mm. for us. And I would say just jumping off what you said, um I would say that the veneer is off. The no one's pretending to be a, a follower of Jesus anymore. Yeah, yeah, and the like, like, like uh, the sinful nature is now fully seen. Mm. The fully fully seen. So we want to see in the next five to ten years a genuine followership of Christ, mm-hmm. repentant, loving respectful with 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 you know they they would share the beliefs but they do not forget to love others as well mm-hmm. that 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 tension would be surrendered to Christ and yeah i mean growth is growth mm-hmm. it's good but we want we want deep things to happen that's for me that's personal mm-hmm. like in the 5 to 10 years that's my own personal but the vision of course is we want to plant churches in the next five, 10 years, you know, seeing churches in Zambales, Pampanga, and Bataan, um, to give you a number, it's like 10, 5, and 5. Mm. So that's 10 churches in Bataan, five churches in Pampanga, and five churches in wow. in Zambales. So 10, 5, 5. So that's, that for me is a desire because you want 20 leaders. You want 20 pastors mm. there. Wow. And right now we have... Uh, we are training uh, biblical, you know, biblical exegeses and uh, just missions, evangelism, and all of that. But yeah, just to say, to see that not just multiplication, because it's easy to say that we're going to multi- multiply, mm-hmm. but a lot of people just really truly loving Jesus. And I want to see that, that there's a vibrant gospel community because I see that in connection. Yeah. Wow. I see that here. I mm. see that. It's 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 holy envy to see people uh, that when uh, I remember the breakfast thing <laughs> on Sunday, mm-hmm. breakfast thing of volunteers and people just they love Jude, but the the, the conversation is oh yeah he is with the Lord he's mm-hmm. prayerful we're praying for him so the language of prayer of evangelism mm-hmm. uh, is is so resonant mm-hmm. and so encouraging so I want to see that kind of culture. Those kinds of leaders, and we pray that in the five to ten years we may not achieve it. Yeah, because that's a 
that's a very fast, very fast, uh, uh, what do you call this? A goal if yeah. you want to do it in five, 10 years. But just to have a more clear picture of that. Word. Yeah. Let me ask you another question. <clears throat> yeah. I feel like we talked, we've talked a little bit about this as we've been riding around going to, to, to work and back in different places. What does, and if this question doesn't make sense, just tell me, but what does ministry in the Philippines have that America does not? You don't have, I would say this, and because there's a lot of volunteerism in the Philippines. Hmm. Like people would do this for free in the Philippines. Like people would commit their lives to ministry because they so believe in that gospel. Mm. And I would say that it is sort of unwise as well. Mm. It's the first, you know, when you, when I was younger, it's so encouraging. They would use the word they, they we will live by faith. Mm. Yeah. That, that wouldn't put, that wouldn't put anything on the table. Mm. You know, that we, you're going to starve to death because of that. But, See, Paul seems to write very clearly in his letters, right? Like the <laughs> the laborer is is worth his wages, yes, right? Like amen. it's worth to to amen. At the church should sacrifice to be able to provide and to um to to give out of a regular rhythm, one for the sake of the worker, but then also for the sake of the work. Yeah, I agree with that one hundred percent. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It is an unwise thing for the Filipino to do that. But it's almost like uh, counted as heroism of like, oh, he doesn't take a salary. Yes. He, thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think it's, it. I think it's common in a third world country kind of setting, I would say. Plus, uh, the thing that I see here, the, the, the thing that's in the Philippines that I don't see here, um, I don't know, man, like there's a lot of, there is a lot of, I don't know if there's a lot of hypocrisy here. Mm. I don't know that. But there is a lot in the Philippines. Mm. There is. I don't know if there is here. If there's a lot or they're just, you know, it's okay. Some people are genuine. Some people are not. But in the Philippines, there is a big, big chunk of that. Like, you can't, it's taboo to confront people and most of the times. Like, I know pastors that will not confront people because in the name of you know loving and comfort mm -hmm. and all of that yeah. and there is a lot of hypocrisy there like yeah i talk a little bit about i think the one i was thinking of was suffering it's the nature of suffering and the nature of of difficulty in the philippines what how is it different there compared to here oh yeah so um like i said uh, being part of that uh third world country setting um Honestly, the one of the most uh, one of the most clear needs is financially. We need that. We need uh, financial help, and it's not to you know uh, promote fundraising for us. That's not what I'm saying, but that is really the need. Uh, we have, like for example, uh, we have a wireless mic. Mm -hmm. It runs out of batteries. We have to check our budget if we can buy batteries. Yeah. Okay, so that's not well. We have set a budget there and whatnot, and but but if you buy a battery, you could not maybe pay the rent. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's really humbling. So, so we want to be stewards, and 
we want to, if going, I want to say this as well. Like the the reason also we are praying for more funding, not just through connection, but but a lot of networks that we are in is for that. We want to also be able to fund other churches in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. So if His Touch Ministries, we're praying for a building, we're praying for this, and and if if ever God does that, like the finances that we would have would help fund churches. Mm-hmm. Like we are not just gonna get mm-hmm. if 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 we get a building, if we get the purpose of getting a building is to fund more buildings. Mm-hmm. Like the money coming into the main church would fund other churches. Mm-hmm. Like I want to have a full time staff. I want to do that, and and honestly, that is so very, very, very rare in the Philippines. Some churches have that in Manila, you know, the cities, mm-hmm. but not in the context I'm in. And I am praying for that because we want a building, we want full time staff, we want to work, and we want to fund those pastors that are doing the work in the mountain mountains in the just mission to to the unreached mm-hmm. because there is a lot of unreached tribes in the Philippines mm-hmm. and we want to fund that. We want to give and give and give and give. Uh, that is why, you know, we're praying for it. But at the same time, we are, we're, we're still thinking of all, all these things and I'm really appreciating my time here because I see a lot of good stewardship mm-hmm. in this church and I want to be that. I want to be a good steward with what God has given. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, generosity everywhere is hard to talk about. Like I can only imagine it's hard to stand up and preach about giving, even when it shows up in scripture or whatever passages that you wind up preaching as you're going through a series, because you know how little resources people Mm. in the church have, you know, for you. Um, And I think for us, like, but same with prosperity, Mm. gospel, and, Mm. and even conservative churches that that conservative meaning ideologically worldview loving the bible you know teaching the the truth of the gospel still having pastors and and leaders in those churches that have mismanaged or misdoered and outright stolen money mm, yeah. that has left a bad taste in people's mouths yeah <clears throat> but then also just a general not understanding the nature of generosity as it is a value of Jesus. Us being able to surrender our opinion and control of money to Jesus and his opinion and control of money. Lordship. um, And not thinking, because, you know, we don't teach really about the tithe at Connection. We talk about giving out of the overflow of of grace, the grace that you've experienced. And we begin to talk about you know, Corinthians and then a couple other passages that we point to, it talks about giving in accordance with the salary that you make Mm -hmm. and uh, talking about giving that is spirit led, not law driven giving. Mm -hmm. That is from the heart, from the the heart. Yeah. Uh, But also giving that it stretches you. It should it, it should stretch you not to make you not to then revert to like, well, I, I give, therefore the Lord approves. It's the Lord approves. And I want to stretch to mm-hmm. give, to make his mission go forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. ha- connecting their giving to the vision of what we're doing. Um, mm-hmm. And I think about it like this a lot in our church. So out of, out of everybody that gives 80% of our budget 
is mm. made up by 20% of the people that are heart and soul. Mm. 20% of 365 people wow. make up 80% of our whole budget. Wow. And and it's and I and I and I I know more than 20% of the people that are heart and soul love our church, love Jesus, desire to make disciples and want to see the mission go forward, but there is a value disconnect mm, where yeah. they think that they have not like there's just not been that that connection made in their heart and in their mind uh, around their wallet. Yeah, and yeah. it's sensitive. People leave churches over it. People um, people will think differently of you, relate of to you differently. And what we've been extremely fortunate for or is that what we've been really fortunate with is that God has always paid the bills, provided for our staff. Um, but it is, when I think about my role and I think about a lot of our other staff's role, it what it can feel like is that people give towards Brandon's preaching and towards the worship ministry, like their giving reflects what they value. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Their yeah. giving doesn't reflect that, hey, some of these other positions, they provide value of discipleship, of sending, mm. of multiplication, mm. of mm. administration, mm. of communication, mm. of family life. Yeah. Of, yeah. Uh, All of it. All yeah. Of it. Yeah. yeah. Like it takes more than two people to True. sustain a 1500 person church. True. But True. The giving reflects what we value is a 100-person church. Amen. <laughs> and that's really difficult, you know, because I, the way, the reason it feels personal for me because I think about my kids. I think about my wife. Like, yeah. the the our, our, all of our values being deeply linked with heart and soul, the reason, the reason that relationships erode, right, mm. the reason that relationships go away is because one person is putting in 100 and one person is putting in 10. True. Right? True. And when when there's a disconnect. Right. When yeah. when people have these uneven senses of energy going into the relationship, one person is going to begin to move away yeah. from the right, but yeah. until the gap is closed, then the other person that's giving 10 is it could feel like well they just disappeared out of my life. <laughs> well, you have to look at the energy that yeah. you're putting into yeah. it and yeah. That's that can um, that can be a challenge here with generosity because it's such a difficult and sensitive thing yeah. to talk about. But it's fascinating to see that on the other end of the spectrum for you. Yeah, um, I, I would I would say too that some people in our church that I've seen they would love to to give mm. they they do, but it's just that they can't. Yeah, because if they do if they give. They rent, can't pay the rent. Yeah, rent money's out, like food for for the table, but they will. They're, mm. they're when they have like, the you know when they get a bonus, a side job, whatever. Mm. They you will see that it, the giving just jumps mm. because it's different when it's different when you choose not to give, and you have nothing to give. Mm. Because when there's time that you you have something, and you're grateful to the Lord. You want to give to the Lord. But I agree with you that it is sensitive. And the fact that some guys with a Rolex and a good looking suit look to the camera and say, you know, you should give, you should give mm -hmm. this and that. And, and um, part of it is that's why it's so attractive to the Filipino people. The mm -hmm. prosperity movement, it's so attractive because 
that's what they need. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's it's using money for Jesus mm-hmm. and not, it, it, uh, you're, you're using, sorry, you're mm-hmm. using Jesus. Jesus for money yeah. and not money for Jesus. So the Lordship of Christ over even the wallet. So I understand completely what you were saying. I just think about your people and the act of faith. Like the, I think that God blesses that and blesses the planting of churches because they're even at a giving level, they're, they're living um, by faith. So mm. what's been your favorite part about being in the States so far? Food. <laughs> <laughs> Jason and Julie have definitely fed you well. Yeah. Shout out to my friends, my American <laughs> parents. <laughs> No, they're they're friends. They're friends. Uh, I think, yeah. I mean, the generosity of. I would say this. I think what I love most about being here in Statesboro is the same feel I had in the Philippines mm-hmm. because of the countryside feel mm-hmm. of a lot of trees, a lot of. <laughs> yeah, but it's so hot. Oh man, so hot! <laughs> so hot, man! Like. <laughs> Okay, if you're in the Philippines, I would say I would say that it's hotter in our country, but we have ocean breeze. Yeah, they have nothing. They it's just hot and it's just hot. Yeah, it's just <laughs> hot and it's hot. It's hot, hot and hot. It's hot. It's hot, and then it's also humid, and there's no breeze. <laughs> yeah, but the the celebration of life thing, the Jude, I would say that was encouraging for me because, um, usually even in the Philippines, like you you, you mourn. Uh, but to really just talk about the blessing that he has been, it's really cool to have a potluck. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. It's really cool. Like we, I don't, I've never seen that in the Philippines. We, we, you know, there's, when there's a funeral, you eat, but, but not a potluck, but <laughs> it is a celebration. Like if Jude was alive, he would love, we would have loved that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, man, I'm so glad you're here. It's been an encouragement. Um, <clears throat> I'm so grateful for, the partnership in the gospel. I'm so excited to see churches planted. Mm. Um, I really believe that James is going to go on and start um, a network or a family of churches that, that he's going to be able to lead and plant the same way that Brandon and Billy have been able to, to lead us as connection into that. Um, and so I definitely encourage you as our connect group leaders, anybody listening that gets a chance to get to know James, take him out to coffee, take him out for a meal, um, just to, to spend time with him while he's here. We'd love for you to do that. You can reach out to me or Morgan about that. But um, man, we're just so grateful for you making the flight and you being here and spending time with us and just yeah. to be able to talk about uh, ministry. It's just so, it's, it can't be overlooked how powerful it is that the same Jesus that died on a cross um, in, in the Middle East has changed both of our lives in Asia and in the States. States, yeah. Yeah, that the same Jesus is still reaching people at every corner of the globe. And it's just a reminder that he desires to have worshipers of him in every tribe, tongue, and nation. Um, and we just want to play our part in in seeing that come to fruition. So I, I want to, maybe uh, Jordan is closing, but I just want to say like, if you're listening and you like, you would feel sorry for us, I would say no. Don't. No, yeah. no, it is a beautiful thing that God uses even poverty mm. for us to seek him more. Yeah. And it is it is a beautiful thing that God is do- using you. Praise God for connection. Mm. Uh, praise God that it's so busy right now here. Yeah. <laughs> so busy right now here. So yeah, we, 
just want you to know, guys, if you're connected with leaders, we're praying for you. Mm. HTM, that's yeah. uh, we're praying. His Touch Ministries is praying for Connection Network. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you for that. Thank you for that um, encouragement. And, and, and two, one, one further context for our listener: James went to school professionally to be a nurse. He could have worked in nursing. He could have left the Philippines, but he has chosen to stay in the Philippines to pastor, to plant churches, to share the gospel, uh, to see his country reached, to see specifically Belonga City and the surrounding communities reached. And that deeply resonates with us here at Statesboro. We want to see Brooklet, Portal, um, and everything around us reached with the gospel um, and and beyond, right? That's the, the scope of Connection Network that we want to see even more people reached. And Amen. the mission is worth sacrificing for. Amen. And so uh, we hope you guys have a great week. Thank you all for joining us for another episode. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.